Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church. You're going to church with people all over the world right now. You know, I hope that you are having an iGroup, an impact group. I hope that you're getting people together and watching this program together every week and discussing this and talking things over. Because I'm telling you what, we are getting powerful, powerful, powerful testimonies every single day of people who are having life transformation experiences from these broadcast. You know, today I'm starting a new series, and the name is probably not going to make sense to you, but I'm going to explain it. It's the trifecta, life, light, and love. A trifecta is when three things come together really to create something unique and something superior. I'm going to take you to some places about understanding life, light, and love. I promise you, you probably never considered, and it is going to transform your life. So get ready. Don't go away. I'll be right back. I've got a free message for this month called Angels of Light, Authors of Deception. I want to tell you something. We have talked about and we think that we know about angels of light. I'm going to show you something that's going to open your eyes to the true deception in this world. You know, the Bible talks about life, light, and love in a way that honestly, you start realizing that Neither life, light, nor love can actually function independently. It's a continuum of overlapping realities. This isn't going to just be, I'm going to give you a bunch of information kind of series. This is a series where you're going to get information that empowers you and equips you to really connect with Jesus in a more realistic, workable way. Because the whole process or the whole reason behind this is this. People are not, as a whole, truly connecting to Jesus as much as they're connecting to information. And we're going to get into that whole concept and where that concept came from and how that is completely backwards of what God intends. You know, I've always been intrigued with light and with light's connection to life. Because you stop and think, without light, nothing on planet Earth would be able to grow. Nothing on planet Earth could be able to live. So you know that there's something here that we're missing. You know that there's there's something, because remember, the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, the first chapter, I think it's the 20th verse, you know, it tells us that all of the invisible attributes of God can be understood by the things that he created, by the things that you can see, by these laws of physics that he created in the natural world. It goes on to say that even the Godhead itself can be understood if we have true and accurate science. Now, I've said this before, but let me say this again. And I want to say this to the dogmatic Christians that are watching this. I want to say this to the dogmatic science explorer or scientist that is watching this. The only gap between science and the Bible is the gap that exists because of either misinterpreting scientific facts or misinterpreting biblical truth. 
and being so opinionated and so dogmatic that you're not willing to see it another way. I mean, the Bible has gotten such a bad rap because of dogmatic people misinterpreting it and thinking they understand science or thinking they understand something when, in fact, they really, really don't. But I want you to realize that there is not going to be a gap, and you're going to discover there never is a gap between true science and truth. And so we're going to dive in this thing, and we're going to see what's going to happen. Now, remember, all the way through this, the goal is going to be to bring you into fellowship with Jesus in a way that you experience life. That's the goal behind this whole series. And I promise you, your thinking is going to totally transform over the next few weeks as we talk about this. Now, God, from the very beginning, God showed himself to be a life giver. Now, as a life giver, I want you to realize that God possesses life and in Jesus, what we're supposed to be experiencing is what the Bible calls the Zoe. Anytime in the Bible where you see everlasting life or eternal life, those words were used. Well, I'm not sure why they were used, but they were used probably because the translators just didn't believe the truth or they had no concept of the truth. But see, when the Bible talks about everlasting life or eternal life, it uses the Greek word Zoe. And the Greek word Zoe one of the literal translation that comes from T.T. and Clark is the quality of life possessed by the one who gives it. So it's incredibly important that we realize God is not a life giver in some way where he's creating emanations from himself and all of these kind of crazy things. God is a life giver because, first and foremost, he possesses life. He is the only possessor of life in all the universe, in all of existence. And any other person, a human being or spiritual being that says that they can give life or says that they possess life is a liar. And it's important that we understand that. And evidently, a lot of Christians don't understand that because if they did, we wouldn't be so quick to throw away the Bible in exchange for humanism and occult philosophies and political correctness and all of these things that are destroying our nation and our world. So if God is the life giver and the way he gives life is because it's a part of who he is, then there's a concept I want you to start bringing into your thinking, and we're going to weave this thread in many places in this series. If God's a life giver, then if I want to experience his life, then I just need to experience him. You see, Jesus said this. Jesus said, you know, I've got to bring life, but he goes on to say, and this is life to know, and that word know is to experience, is to experience God the Father, and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. So life doesn't come to us because we get more information about God, because we learn new material, because we can quote more verses, because we've got a new doctrine. Life comes to us because we connect intimately and personally with God. And the Bible calls that fellowship. The Bible calls that communing. And we're going to talk about fellowship, we're going to talk about communing. So this is why many people who have bad doctrine, when they get into desperate situations, 
and they truly seek God with all their heart, seek God personally, and they have a personal connection or experience with God, and then suddenly they experience a financial breakthrough, a physical healing, or a miracle of some kind, and bam, their life changes. And sadly, then they go back and try to explain it with their doctrine, and sometimes their doctrine is so corrupt. I'll never forget when I was doing my undergraduate work, and uh, man, every day on the way to school, I'd listen to my favorite Bible teachers, and, and every day at, at break, or on certain days at break, man, we would all run out and get into our cars and listen to our favorite preachers, because I mean, you know, we were hungry, man, we were looking for God. But I'll never forget one day I was listening to somebody that I really admired and really respected, and he was telling about how he got healed and how he told himself if he'd get up out of bed and turn on the light or, you know, take some kind of action, which I believe in putting works with faith, that God was going to heal him. And so he did it and he got healed. And he tried to explain it through the rationale of his doctrine. And man, I was excited. I thought, man, I'm learning something. I'll never forget the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, that's not why he got healed. It seemed audible. It wasn't audible, but it seemed audible. Man, I just immediately began to pray. Like, what do you mean? That's not why I'm. He got healed. He should know. And the Lord warned me. He said, too many times you human beings have experiences and you seek to explain those experiences by your doctrine that you've embraced. He just told me, if you want to follow me, if you want to know me, then you've got to always be willing to give up your doctrine whenever you need to give it up. And if you're not, you'll always explain things with your doctrine, and then you won't be able to reproduce that the next time you need it. You know, just the other day, I got a call from someone, and they were in the hospital with a loved one who had had strokes on both sides of his brain. He was on life support. Doctors had already said, you just need to pull the plug on him because this is over. He's never going to move. He's never going to be able to do anything. He's never going to be able to open his eyes. He's never coming out of this coma. And so I get a call. So they put me on speakerphone. You know, I share a little bit of spiritual reality with them. And I said, look, everybody just lay your hands on him. And I prayed a little simple prayer. I said, Father, right now, I ask you, because I know he can hear your voice. Even though he can't hear our voice, he can hear your voice. And so right now, speak to his heart and let him know he has the choice of trusting you in living or letting go and dying. And while we were praying that prayer, he opened his eyes. He's now moving. They're taking him off of life support. And you know what? The real truth is there's no way to explain that doctrinally considering what the people believed that were in that process. But what happened is that individual connected with God for himself. Don't go away. I'll be right back and we're going to keep diving into this. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. I want to tell you about this new series I have, Trifecta, the life, light, and love of God. I'm going to tell you something. God has exploded something in me that's affecting me personally, and it's going to affect you. Are you wanting to step into a whole new realm of how you connect with God, how you commune with God, how you fellowship with God, and how you experience the life of God? You want to get these eight messages because I'm going to tell you something. They are going to transform everything in your life. You know, one of the most important things to understand about God 
and his sovereignty, which most of what we're taught about sovereignty isn't even biblical. I'm not talking about God can do anything. He can kill you if he wants to. He can heal you if he wants to. Listen, sovereignty doesn't mean God can do anything that he wants to because God establishes his will and then he doesn't break it. Once he gives his word on something, that's the way it's going to happen. And plus, he's made a covenant. He can't violate his covenant. But what the word sovereignty means basically is that he is not acted upon by any outside choice. So every decision that he makes, it's his own decision. And so out of who God was, out of his own preemptive, proactive decision, God, the life giver, bred life into planet earth. You know, one of the most important scriptures in the Bible is Genesis 1-1. And I tell you, your faith starts right there. Faith is intimately connected to what you believe about the first chapter of Genesis and specifically about the very first verse in Genesis. You know, for centuries... The scientific community insisted that the universe was eternal. It had no beginning. It had no end. And that was one of their ways of disproving the Word of God. Well, then, lo and behold, we get quantum physics, and we come up with what they call the Big Bang Theory. You know what the Big Bang Theory is? The Big Bang Theory is a scientific theory that explains that God created all of this out of nothing, that in one moment, Something happened, an explosion of energy happened. That was God. That's Genesis 1-1. You know, in the beginning, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God, he separated the light and the darkness. God created the world because it is his nature to give life. He created the world in such a way that this world will produce and sustain life in and of itself. And man, alive, I don't know about you, but that is just so phenomenal. You know, John 1 says this. And let me tell you a little bit about the book of John. The book of John was, as almost everyone agrees, is a book that's primarily directed to Gentiles. Now, you got to realize that Jews and Gentiles struggle with different core issues that keep pulling them off track. Now, Jews struggled with legalism. They took God's law and turned it into something legalistic, even though that was not what God wanted. It was not what God intended. They did it anyhow. And they did it because they had already been corrupted by the occult world. You know, by the time the children of Israel got the commandments, they had already forged their concept of the gods. And even though they knew that there was one creator God, their concept of that one creator God was already shaped before they even knew what they needed to know, before they even got the commandments. So they immediately turned these commandments into law. So the Jews always struggled more with legalism. The Gentiles, however, struggled more with occult mysticism because all of the Gentile world came out of occult mysticism. So the Jews legalistically interpreted the Word of God. The Gentiles took their occult mystical doctrines and tried to use those doctrines to explain who Jesus was, to explain what Jesus did. And I'm telling you, all over the world today, there are denominations that have millions and millions of people in them whose 
core doctrine is based on occult mysticism. Now, I'm not saying that there's not Christians among those people, true born-again people, because, man, you can get born again anywhere. You can be in the worst church in the whole wide world. If you start seeking God, I got news for you. You're going to get born again because God always reveals himself to those who seek him with their whole heart. So the Gospel of John uses these terminologies about light and life and all of these types of terminologies and the logos and all these things because he was having to take their occult mystic philosophies and show them how that the reality was fulfilled in Jesus. And this is why John uses the terminology that he uses is to pull these Gentile believers out of the era of mysticism to stop interpreting who God was based on occult mysticism and start interpreting who God is and who Jesus is and what salvation is and interpret all of that based on God's Word. So in John 1, He's writing, he says, in the beginning was the Word, and that is the word Logos. In the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. Now, we've talked about the Logos on here many, many times, and Logos is more than just the written Word of God. The Logos has to do with all of the character, all of the wisdom, all of the true nature, all of the true intentions that are behind the Word. And the Logos is also a very inclusive concept that basically says that no one word of the Logos is independent of all the other words of the Logos. In other words, if it's God's Word, it will never contradict itself. Now, this is so incredibly important because Gentiles, and Gentiles still do it. People in America still come up with ideas about God that are totally incongruent and inconsistent with God's name, with God's word, with God's promises, with his covenant in Jesus, and claim personal revelation. Well, I got news for you. If it is not consistent with and built on everything that God has set up to this point, it is not a revelation. It is a deception. And man, we have come to the place here in America where we think personal words and personal prophecies somehow replace the Word of God, and they don't. They absolutely do not replace the Word of God. So Jesus is identified as the Logos of God. Now, we can get really, really mystical with it. I remember a good friend of mine, a preacher that I loved hearing him preach. I remember him saying one time, before Jesus came to earth and was called Yeshua, in eternity, he was called the Word. And I thought, man, that makes sense. And so I thought that was cool. I thought that was, you know, a refreshing insight. But, you know, the real truth is, that's not what he's talking about here. Because Jesus... The Word, the Logos, as we will understand in a few minutes, the Logos came and manifested in the person of Jesus. So it's not that Jesus was literally words before because he was a personal entity. He was part of the Godhead. But it's the fact that everything that Jesus said, everything that Jesus did, everything that Jesus accomplished is absolutely based on the values, the integrity, the motives, the intention, the person of God and every word that God had ever spoken up until that point. There's never anything that Jesus did that was inconsistent with anything God ever said, and he never 
promoted us to do anything inconsistent with what God had said. It says in verse 2, it says, He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was nothing made that was made. And remember when God said, let us create man. Even the very first mention of God, in the beginning, God created heaven's earth. That word God is a word that presents God as a trinity, that presents God as a plurality that exists as one, and it's clear in the language. And I got to tell you, man, there's all kinds of occult doctrines that oppose that. One of the greatest issues that Islam has with the Jews, supposedly, is the trinity. And they do not believe in the trinity. They believe that God exists independent of the Holy Spirit, independent of Jesus as their son. And we ain't got time to go into all that. But everything was created by him, for him, through him. He was intimately connected to creation. And then it says in verse 4, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now this is really, really important. The life is the light of men. Now, we tend, in our Gentile way of looking at things, we tend to reverse that. And we say that the light is the life. Now, keep in mind, you know, light is congruent with life. There can't be life without light, but light doesn't give birth to life. Light has to do with revelation. It has to do with understanding. It has to do with seeing something clearly. We have this concept in the Gentile world, that if we could just get enough revelation, we would finally get connected to the life of God. That is exactly the opposite of what the Bible says. Does faith come by hearing and hearing by the Word of God? Absolutely faith does. But the real truth is faith is something you use then to connect with God personally, not just to trust in the information that you have, because that information apart from God personally is just information, even though that information is true. So you got to realize is that life is what produced light. So if I want to have light, if I want to have understanding, if I want to have life, if I want to have light, I don't need to get more information. I need to personally and intimately connect with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's the amazing thing. You know, if you're broke or sick or you're facing a crisis and you're trying to get a revelation about how to get out of it, The problem is you are in the mindset that got you into that problem. And plus, you got to protect your ego. You got to protect the reason, you know, that you were wrong. You got to find a way to justify it. So you're intellectually going through these gymnastics, trying to work all this stuff out. But here's the interesting thing. If you got healed when you were sick, or if you pull out of poverty when you were desperate and broke, then you get true revelation about how it happened because you know that it happened in Jesus. It happened in your connection with Jesus. And so we have to experience the life before we can experience the light. Don't go away. I'll be back my mentoring moment in just a few minutes. And I want you to have this new series called Trifecta because I'm telling you, it's going to show you how to connect to the life of God. And that's what's missing. We have information, but we need the life of God. We need supernatural power, supernatural transformation. Be sure and get it. 
You know, I want to invite you to join me at the various meetings I'm having across the country. It's just a different experience when it's live. You know, I was just recently in a meeting. I got to tell you about this. In just one meeting, because there were so many people there from other countries, we were able to launch five new Bible schools in countries around the world as part of our Operation One Billion. Man, people are fired up about the concept of making disciples, about changing the way the world sees God. And these guys are getting it in their heart all over the world that together we can reach a billion people. Listen, if you want to know more about Operation One Billion, or if you want to be a part of reaching one billion people, and not just making converts out of these one billion people, but turning them into disciples who trust and believe and follow the Lord Jesus and live as overcomers, you can be a part of our Operation One Billion. You know, I tell you, I love preaching the Word of God. I am a minister. I am called to preach. And sometimes I ask God, why even do this? He always reminds me, it's the foolishness of preaching because people do have to hear the truth. But I want to encourage you, whether you are a pastor, a minister, an evangelist, or whether you're just a serious believer, I want you to understand something. We have gotten the cart ahead of the horse. We have come to believe Really, in intellectualism, we're doing the same thing that the Gnostics did, where they exalted intellectual information and personal revelation above what God has said. And we are doing that. And we've got to come back to that place where not in a legalistic way, where we pray, where we connect with God, where we worship, where we have private communion and private connection with God. Because I've got news for you, in the days that are ahead, information will not make you an overcomer. In the days that are ahead, information won't make you smart enough to avoid all the traps that are coming. You know, you all know about my book, Apocalypse, A Spiritual Guide for the Second Coming, where I talk about what Jesus said to do in order to be able to not just survive, but to overcome, to conquer the circumstances of the beginning of the sorrows and the circumstances of the tribulation. But the very first thing that he taught about that was having oil in your lamp, and oil represents the Holy Spirit. you got to have oil before you can have a flame. You see, if we are not intimately connected with God, if we're not alive to God, if we're not able to hear His voice, and the honest truth is we don't have oil in our lamp, and we don't want to be like the five foolish virgins who, when He came, they went to town to get more oil, and they missed the boat. You know, we don't want to do that. We want to be intimately connected with Him. Where we know His voice better than we know anybody else's voice. Listen, seek Him, seek life. Light, understanding, revelation will come. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.